0: You guys, you may already know, but beginning tomorrow, Monday, and going through Thursday, we're gonna have four days where we're opening up this building and the campus to you, the student ministry. So from 11:30 until three o'clock ish every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we are welcoming you to come onto campus and just to enjoy life together, enjoy community together. Tomorrow at 11:30, you get however many you want to come—20, 50, 100—I don't care can come up here and we're gonna feed you free lunch. Then we're gonna have 20 or 30 minutes of quiet time where we all pray about a specific scripture and do a little journaling and doodling. We're gonna have a couple songs of worship and then for the next two hours, we're just gonna play. We're gonna play sand volleyball, we're gonna do some stuff on the big field. We are going to have some art ministry going on if you just want to sit and color and paint and whatnot, but it's just a time for you guys to do life together in your building, in your student ministry, and we're going to do that, like I said, Monday and then Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. Tuesday, I believe we're either playing Ultimate Frisbee or having some kickball tournament and some other stuff going on. On Wednesday, we have our pre-scheduled splash pad where we're bringing in some giant like adult-sized inflatables where we're going to have slip slip and slide and um, obstacle courses and all kinds of fun stuff. And then Thursday, it's kind of a do whatever you want. We'll have some games, and you guys can just literally just hang out in your building and do whatever you want. Well, Pictionary, we'll have other things going on outside if you want to, and then we're going to go and serve the community at the end of Thursday out in Five Oaks. So it's just a full week of fun. It's completely free, and we're doing it because we have been longing to see your level of community, your level of doing life together increased. And so we're like, let's just open the building and just invite them to come. They don't have any school anymore, so they can just come and hang out and have fun and enjoy each other. It's really kind of the the most casual, relaxed parts of freedom, but for a week. And it's a great opportunity to invite somebody that you may know that has never had a chance to check out church. It might be an opportunity for you to invite somebody that you know is having a tough time and could use just some time out of the house or away from their circumstance. So as we are praying about and planning on doing this for you guys, um, I feel like it was from the Lord, but I asked him about it last week. Lord, is this what you want for us to do? And if so, would you give us some indicators, some, some folk focus I almost said foci. Is that a word? Focal points. I don't know. Sounds good. Um, What do you have to say about this? Do you want us to gather together? And if we do, what do you want us to focus on? I opened up my Bible to 2 Chronicles 30, which immediately caught my eye because that was the first scripture God gave me when I took over the student ministry almost six years ago, and I asked the Lord, what kind of student ministry do you want me to build? And this was the passage you led me to then, and it was the passage you led me to this week. King Hezekiah sent word to all Israel and Judah, and he wrote letters of invitation to the people of Ephraim and Manasseh. And he asked everyone to come to the temple of the Lord at Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover of the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, in this passage, God's house has just been reopened and is back in business, and the people are coming together, and it's the beginning of a season of blessing for all, and the people were excited about it. There was an excitement in the air, and they knew because God had said so beforehand that you are entering a great season, an incredible season, a season of comfort and relaxation and rest and protection and fun and prosperity, and God's people knew, man, we got a good thing going here, and it's about to get better, and God's saying, like, blessings are on the way. And then they ask themselves, and the leaders ask themselves, should we keep all of this goodness? Should we keep all of these blessings to ourselves? Or should we share them with others? So the king, the leader, your pastor has felt, God has said, I'm about to bless the student ministry beyond anything you've seen before. And so he sent out letters of invitation. He made it known, let's get other people to join us. And that word invitation, invitational, is something that's a little countercultural to us. Um, because we live in an age, we live in a place, we live in an area that is known around the nation as being very snobby. I mean, every year I see more than once an article about the woodlands being the richest, snobbiest town. And you don't have to be in the woodlands for that to be something that you see and you recognize. I'm not calling you guys snobs, it's everybody else, but still, I grew up here and I was a snob. Um, We live in a snobby culture, but we serve a God who's invitational. Let me contrast those two ideas. Um, God, and therefore us, his kids, who are made in his image, who are supposed to be like him and grow to be more and more like him, God is not clicky. Are you? Am I? If God's not, I need to ask myself, am I? God is not exclusive. He doesn't exclude people. Do you? Do I? That's something I need to think about. God is not private. He's not a secret to be kept. When God blesses, He does it on display. Um, When God blesses you, are you keeping it secret? Is it private? Is it, um, you know, I don't want to tell anybody because they might think I'm weird. Because God's not private. He's open. He's inclusive. And He does things, like we said, on display. I encourage you guys, the reason pen and paper under your seats so you can process this and think about this and pray about this, not just for the 40 minutes we're in here, but beyond. So feel free to take some notes. But how are you doing when I read those two lists? Are you somebody that kind of leans or is full on into cliquishness, exclusivity, doing things in private, keeping God's blessings to yourself? And if you are, it's okay. I have been that way. I am sometimes that way. Or are you open? Are you inclusive? Or are, are you public when God blesses you? Like, can you not wait to tell somebody if you are awesome? But you could probably be more so. How are you doing in those areas? They wrote letters of invitation, and who'd they ask to come? Everyone. Everybody. Not just the rich people, so that they could invite them to do something with them, thinking, I wonder what I'm gonna get from them, because they're coming and they got a lot of cash and stuff. Not just the popular people. Man, if they come to my party, it's going to be great because they're so-and-so and such-and-such. So and such. Not just the easy people to get along with. Oh, I'm going to invite them because like, I know there's not going to be any drama, no problems, or just the right amount of drama, so we have something to talk about. But they invited the poor people too, the people that have nothing to offer. I, I'm not going to get anything out of inviting this person, but I'm going to invite them anyway. They invited the freaks and the geeks, which, man, that was me when I was your age, And I certainly haven't grown out of it. And they invited the difficult people, the people that were tough to get along with, the people that like, man, this person is challenging to me. This person's hard for me to get along with. And I I guarantee that you all have someone like that in your life, or maybe you're that person in life, and that's okay. They wrote letters of invitation. They asked everybody to come. And where did they ask them to come specifically? To the temple of the Lord. They invited them to church. They didn't just invite them to their house to just play video games and this private little select group of people. They didn't invite them to the mall to go shopping so that the focus was stuff and not humans and relationships. They didn't invite them to the theater where, okay, I hung out with them, but really the focus was watching Chewbacca rip that dude's arms off in the middle of Solo. It happens. It's amazing. They did life together. They invited them to the best thing that they had. You guys... I I see it here, but I feel like we have so much more that's available to us for the taking. This should be the strongest, healthiest, best community, best relationships that you have in your life. Because here we come together, and God's the focus, not us, and our community and loving each other is the focus and not getting our own way, and here we come and live out what this says. And this can be hard sometimes, but this is good. We come here and when we have arguments, we don't put up walls and write people off and say, you're dead to me. We walk through it. We figure it out. And that is good. And that is healthy. And that is a blessing to us and the other person. They invited their friends and their family, everyone, to come and enjoy the best thing they had to offer. Real life. Jesus Christ. Faith. Relationships. So, What did they invite them to do to celebrate? They invited them to celebrate, specifically the Passover of the Lord. The Passover, if you're not familiar, is that time in Egypt times when all the Israelites were slaves and God was tired of watching Pharaoh be so hard on his people, and he's like, I'm going to set them free because God's a God who loves to set people free. Many of you in this room, I have personally witnessed being set free. And so he said, I'm going to send the angel of death into the city, and he is going to kill the firstborn of every single family in Egypt. Now, if you belong to me, if you put your faith in me, if you believe in me, put a mark over your door, and the angel of death, when he comes through, will pass over your house, and nothing will happen. The cool thing was the people that believed in God, the Israelites, put that mark over their door, and the angel of death passed over them, and they were fine. What I love is the Egyptians, who didn't believe in God at all, heard this was happening, and they're like, well, we'll try it too. And put a mark, some of them put a mark on their door, and true enough, God passed over their house as well. I love that. So they were celebrating that they had survived the Passover. And after that event happened in the Old Testament times, we celebrate it year after year. Now, we don't really do a great job of celebrating it, and mean, we acknowledge it at Easter time, but It's something that God said, I want you to celebrate this in mid-spring every single year. And what are we celebrating? That we survived. And the reason we're talking about this, I feel like the reason that God gave us this passage today is because you have just survived another year of school. And some of you might be like, yeah, whatever, I do that all the time. But no, not whatever, not all the time. You guys making it through this school year is a significant achievement. And some of you, not just school, but just this year of life, Like, it's a big deal that you made it, that you survived, that you're still here. Um, Finishing a year of school, finishing a year of life at your age is hard. And I know that, and I resonate with that, and I feel for you with that. Personally, um, some of the worst things that have ever happened to me in my 42 years happened when I was your age. Some of the loneliest times in my soul when I felt like nobody saw me was at school when I was a teenager. Um, Just um, as a teenager, I went through just tough stuff and I know you do too. And some of you share, some of you haven't. Some of you went through stuff this year and nobody knows about it. But it's eating you up and it's ripping you apart. And this is the place where we come and we talk about it and we deal with it and we give it to Jesus and we find freedom in it just to make it relatable and just so it's relatable for you and not just hearing my stuff. But um, here's a picture of me when I was about your age. This is me going into ninth grade, and my mom signed me up for choir because clearly she loved me, and I'm wearing my green cummerbund and my bow tie because Nora Clear, my choir teacher, just thought we were her little dolls, and she dressed us all up. You should have seen what the girls had to wear. It was horrible. You can see by my expression that I am loving life right now. Now, here's some things that I went through at your age, and maybe you can relate. Um, Until I was in about 10th grade, my mom dressed me, so to speak. When we went shopping in late August for the school year, I did not get to pick out my own clothes. My mom picked them out. My mom, horrible taste in clothes, for a teenage boy so I would show up that first day and I wasn't like I'm looking for my closet and I'm like what am I going to wear it's like oh my god what am I going to wear like I had to pick the least offensive thing um, I hated the first day of school because my mom dressed me maybe you can relate to that in some way um, I got my heart broken for the first time in a huge way when I was your age at school when she broke up with me in the hall in front of my friends it was horrible it was wretched Um, The one thing I asked through snot and tears as she dumped me was, please just don't date any of my friends. She went the next day and moved all of her stuff into Tim's locker, and they started dating one of my best friends. Maybe you've experienced something like that. Because of that, because she started dating my friends, and it's not like I was innocent in the situation. I wasn't a great boyfriend. Um, All my friends, my group of 30 people that I reference sometimes in our sermons, we're all of a sudden like, well, now we have to choose. And I lost most of my friends because Tim was way cooler than me. It's a fact. So I lost a huge group of friends, and not only did I lose them, some of them turned on me, started started gossiping about me, started spreading lies and rumors about me, and maybe that happened to you this year. Um, My parents got divorced when I was your age, and that was devastating. Um, That's what sent me... Feeling like, man, they've got their own stuff. They, they don't even know I exist, so I'm going to get their attention by trying drugs. And that one night of trying it to spite them, they didn't even know I was doing it, led to 10 years of alcohol and drug addiction because I said to my parents, I'm going to do what I want and show you. And I wasn't hurting them. I was hurting me. And that happened when I was your age because I was going through the very real and raw stuff that many of you have gone through this year. But I survived. And you have survived because you're here. And even though our ranks are light this morning, maybe they didn't survive. They survived too. We have made it through another year and that's worth celebrating. Just so we have a full spectrum of um, engagement, I'll show you. Here's a picture of Brooke Bear when she was your age. Brooke Bear dyed her hair pink this weekend, but here it's blue. little freak, blue hair in high school back in the, is it the 90s? Yeah, maybe the 90s. We can tell, being all proud because she was the first person to think that Green Day was cool, we knew it was cool too. Brooke, some things that happened to her. Was it junior junior, um, high school when somebody stuck gum in your hair at prom? Can you imagine being at prom, and as soon as you get there, somebody puts blue gum in your blonde hair? I can't imagine, obviously, but it sounds awful. <laughs> that's so funny. That's so funny. Um, so you can imagine. You know what it's been like to be at school or in public, and something humiliating happens. <laughs> we saw something humiliating at the recital last night. I can't say it's inappropriate. So um, Brooke had a uh, friend die that she knew well. When she was your age, and I know some of you probably have that, walked through that, maybe not even died, but took their life, and that's hard. Um, Brooke was peer-pressured. To the place where you guys know that you have kind of boundaries, whether that you know or not, that like, I'm not going to do this, but she was peer pressured so hard that she made decisions that broke those boundaries, and once those boundaries are broken, they're very hard to repair, and I'm sure that some of you in this room were peer pressured this year to do something that you knew you didn't want to, you didn't need to, that would hurt you to do, but you did, and we know it's hard being this age. Um, Brooke got tangled up in an abusive relationship at your age. That's rough. That's very, diffi- very difficult to go and talk to your parents about I'm in a relationship that I'm not supposed to be in and they're hurting me. But she survived. I survived. And you guys have survived. You are still here. And God is saying to you this morning, it's worth celebrating. It's worth declaring God is good because we made it. Um, Second Chronicles 30 continues, this plan for celebrating the fact that everybody survived seemed right to the king, to the leader, to the leader's and to all the people, to everybody in this room. It seems right, doesn't it, that we should celebrate? That school is over. I mean, the reason we're calling it Aloha Week is Aloha is hello and goodbye. It's goodbye to school and to a hard year, and hello to summer and relaxation and fun. It seems right that we should do this. And so they sent a proclamation throughout all Israel. The king wrote some letters, but now the people are on board, and they're like, let's tell everyone we know that we're going to have a party and celebrate the fact that we're still here. And they invited everyone to come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover of the Lord. And the people had not been celebrating in great numbers as required in the law. I love that. Here's God telling his people and thereby telling us today, my people have not been celebrating That I save them, that I rescue them, that I love them and bless them in great numbers, big crowds, as required by the law. God just said, I am commanding you to have fun. I am commanding you to enjoy yourselves. I am commanding you after a hard day, after a hard season, to relax and put your feet up and have a good time together. I want you to gather together. I want you to remember and remind yourself that life is good and it's worth living. And sometimes, and maybe this time right now for you has been a hard year, you just need a reminder. We need to gather together and just remember, man, this is why I went through that hard year of school because the summer's here and now I get to play and have fun with my friends and my family. I love what the Bible says about fun specifically. Like This is your God addressing the topic of fun in Ecclesiastes chapter eight. In this life, Good people are often treated as though they were wicked, and wicked people are often treated as though they were good. Man, if that's not a picture of being a teenager, I don't know what it is. This is so meaningless. Therefore, I, your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, your God who made you, I recommend having fun because there is nothing better for people. There is nothing better for people in this world than to eat and drink and enjoy life. That way, they will experience some happiness along with the hard work that God gives them under the sun. We play hard because we work hard, and you guys have worked hard this year at either getting A's, maybe some B's, maybe some less than B's. Maybe it's your sport, maybe it's your Extracurricular activity, or maybe you've worked hard just to survive. And God is saying, You've worked hard, so you should play hard. You should have some fun. You should relax. You should enjoy yourself this summer. Now, it says they sent letters of invitation to everyone to come and party at church. What did the invitation say? What were they asking the people to do? At the king's command, runners. Now, We've gone from the king and his leaders and the people now to the specific folks that are going to go out and carry the message. The runners is everybody. It's you. And the letters they carried said this. O people of Israel, return to the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, so that he will return to the few of us who have survived. Do not be like your ancestors and relatives who abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and became an object of derision. Do not be stubborn as they were, but submit yourselves to the Lord. Come to his temple, which he has set apart as holy forever. Worship the Lord your God, so that his fierce anger will turn away from you. For if you return to the Lord, your relatives and your children will be treated mercifully by their captors, as they will be able to return to this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful if you return to him. Four times it just said, go and let people know I'm inviting them back. They're welcome here. Maybe they rejected me earlier this year. Maybe they made some bad decisions and feel like they don't deserve to be here. Ask them, invite them, let them know I want them here. And I am welcoming them with not shame and looks of Disappointment, I am welcoming them back with a party. I love that. God is calling us back to himself. He is asking us to reach out to the people we know and invite them back to himself with a party. O people of Israel, return to the Lord. You have been there, as I have been there, I'm sure, in some way, shape, or form, maybe in a season. I talked to a student just before service who hasn't been here in a while. When we step away from the Lord... It's usually to pursue. We usually end up entangled in stuff that hurts us, um, that is the opposite of what we experience when we're here. Um, That's called settling, right? We're settling for less than what God has for us. I have some examples of settling that I think should resonate with you guys. Um, In this life, we can settle for less than God's best for us, and it is kind of like, show it to me, Johnny, hamburger. Settling for a McDonald's cheeseburger that's been sitting in the back of your car for several hours, like, this is the best that this world has to offer, this nasty iguana meat hamburger. When God is like, I have prepared a feast for you, and I have, and everybody's going to be there. And we're going to not just eat but have fun. We're going to eat until we have to lay down and just talk about how much we ate. And it's just, you've earned it. You've deserved it. I want you to enjoy yourself. And we're like, no, I would rather have a Gwana burger, and just wonder, is this really meat? I don't know. We settle for less than what God has for us. Um, second picture, we settle for that when this is available. I hate the fact that so many of us think that the best that this summer has to offer is going alone to be in our room and just play games. And I guarantee you, some of us that could have been here this morning are doing that now. And playing games isn't bad or evil, but I've been there. I was a gamer for about a year of my life, and I would find myself at four in the morning, my eyes bloodshot, Cheeto cheese stuff all over my hands, and I'd just be like, Well, I beat the level I've been trying to beat for a month, even though it cost me a hole in the wall when I got frustrated, but I feel like garbage. Like, my brain is so fried I can't go to sleep. I feel sick to my stomach because all I've been drinking is jolt cola and eating Cheetos, and I don't really even have anybody to celebrate with because nobody cares that I beat the level. We go and binge watch TV for 10 hours and walk away from it having accomplished nothing and having nothing to show for it when God is like, man, don't pretend to play adventures. I have real life adventures for you available all day, every day. Every day this week that we come up here, there'll be adventure and fun and reality. This is a picture of the group of students that first went to Mission Houston three years ago. Do they look like they are regretting their decision? Do they look like they're not enjoying every second? Like these... People came back from this trip and they were closer together. They were bound together because they'd experienced something real together. And that does not happen when you, you know, conquer the overlord in level 17 and get the gold. Like, it means nothing. It's not real. I know the appeal of video games and watching TV because you're like, I'm going to watch something amazing. I'm going to conquer this level and feel like it's an adventure. But God has something real. Don't settle for less when this is available. Um, we settle, next picture, Johnny, for slavery when freedom is available. I know this picture is overdramatic, dra- that word, dramatized? Overdramatic? I don't think that's right either. I know this is a little much, but isn't that what's going on in the world around us today? And isn't that something that we are part of today? I have been so frustrated. I feel like an old man driving around this town because I used to drive around this town when there ain't nobody here. And I could go 80 and see no one. And now, that's not, I don't advise that. Now, when I'm driving around this town, I can't even go when the light's green because the guy in front of me is looking at his phone. Like people are glued to these idols in their hand and they are missing out on life. I've sat and had conversations. I, I look at you guys in the foyer and you're in the middle of talking and you're just like, yeah, that's amazing. That's wonderful. Hold on one second. I just got to check this out. I got a like, yay. Check out this video on YouTube. Like, it's not real. And yet, in January, when we all set aside our devices and our agendas, and we said with intentionality, I'm going to be all in with you guys for three days we got to experience, not slavery, but freedom. Like every single picture of every single person holding a sign is a personal testimony about how they experienced who God really was and who God really calls them to be. They got to experience miraculous things, things that we saw with our own eyes because they said, I want freedom. And that's what God's offering all day every day and it ain't going to be found on that. So, another question for you. Just between you and the Lord, I'm not saying this to make you feel guilty. I'm guilty. But, Where in life have you settled? As you think about the fact that your summer's really getting started tomorrow, no more school, have you settled anywhere in your heart that you have said, this is the best that the summer has to offer for me and I'm okay with that? Because, guys, if you've settled on, I'm just going to relax and binge, you're missing out. Because God has amazing things in store for you. Don't settle for less. We weren't... We're royalty. We deserve the best because we're God's kids. And the best this life has to offer is doing life together and experiencing real things together. Second Chronicles chapter 30 continues, the runners went from town to town. They went all over the territory, but most of the people they invited laughed at them and they made fun of them. However, some people humbled themselves and went to Jerusalem. Every day, God is calling us as a group, as a student ministry, and us as individual sons and daughters to be more like his son. And I believe that the thing that God is wanting to grow us in this summer is to be more invitational. And as we seek to be more invitational, we need to remember that all we have to do is make the invite. All we have to do is present the gospel. All we have to do is say, I follow Jesus. How they receive it How they respond, whether or not they come, is not our responsibility. That's between them and the Lord. God just says, invite them, and I'll take care of the rest. That is a simple step of obedience. Um, God didn't say, go deliver the message, and then drag them, kicking and screaming, to church. He just said, go invite them. And you guys, we can do that. I can do that. I can reach out to somebody this week and say, we're having this thing at church with all the students. Would you just come? Would you hang out with me while we do it? Would you help me as we, uh, you know, serve food? Would you um, take a break from watching friends and just sit with me and hang out with some really cool people? We can make that ask. And the cool thing is, you can invite a thousand people. You can get on social media this afternoon and you could share one of our Instagram posts and say, hey, this is happening in my church and I'd love for you to come. And a thousand people could see it, which is very easy, like that could happen. And no one may come, but you will have fulfilled your obligation to the Lord of just making the ask. It's not your responsibility whether they say yes or no. It's your responsibility to make the ask. And you guys can do that. It says, as it goes on, at the same time, as these runners were making asks of their friends and family, God was doing something over here on the side. His people were going out and doing what they'd asked of him, but then he was backfilling the blessing. At the same time, God's hand was on the people in the land of Judah, giving them all one heart to obey the orders of the king and his officials. And so they were following the word of the Lord, and a huge crowd assembled at Jerusalem in mid-spring to celebrate the Passover. Again, God is reminding us, hey, I'll take care of the results. If you are just willing to take a step of obedience, take a step of faith, if you're just willing to be a little uncomfortable for me, I'll bring the people. They might not even be people that you invited, but are you willing to step out and just say, I'm going to church this week for some fun, and I'd like you to come. I think you guys can do that. I know I can do that. I've already started doing that, but I need to do more. Um. We know, and maybe we are that person, but we know someone who feels invisible right now, who's going through a really tough time right now, um, who has a bad opinion of church itself, who we can reach out to and just say, "Um, I see you, and I'd like you to spend some time with me this week. We know somebody that we can bless. We know somebody that is super content to just sit on their butts all summer and not do anything. But turn off the lights and grow pale by the light of a screen and go full on Howard Hughes, right? And you have the power to change their whole summer. You have the power to impact them by just saying, Come with me. I, I want you to come with doesn't it feel good when somebody notices you and invites you to be part of something? It's not up to you to bring them, but just to ask. You have that power. In you. There's somebody that you know that feels so lost and forgotten, and you reaching out and saying, will you come? will rock their world, and it may just save their soul. The people of Israel who were present in Jerusalem joyously celebrated the festival, and the entire assembly then decided to continue the festival another seven days. And so they celebrated joyfully for a whole nother week. What that tells me is that when people obey the Lord He's so good to them in response that they can't get enough. If you guys will be intentional in inviting your someone or someones and then just come up here and hang out, God's going to bless us. He's made it clear. Something awesome is going to happen in us and for us and through us this week. And it may well be so good that on Thursday you're like, can we do this again next week? And if you've obeyed the Lord and if you ask that, the answer, and I don't care what's on the plate for me next week, will be yes but you need to take that first step of obedience. You need to be willing to just cross that line with your friend and say, will you come to church with me? Um, Can I talk to you about my faith? Can I share a story with you? Can I pray for you? I'm gonna pray for us, and we're gonna respond to what we've heard. As I do so, the band can make their way up here. Um, Would you guys just bow your heads and be still and still your mind and your thoughts before the Lord for a moment? This passage is talking about inviting people to church, but really what we're talking about is inviting people into relationship with us and the Lord. Will you just ask God right now? Maybe you know, but ask Him anyway, cover your bases, Lord, who? Who can I bless this week? Maybe it's a random act of kindness. Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's a public post on their wall saying, you know, I hadn't said anything about this year, but I love you. I think you're awesome. Lord, who can I bless this week? If he's bringing a name or a face to your mind, you need to own that. You need to accept that. You need to do something about that. Ask the Lord, who do I know And maybe the answer is going to surprise you, but who do I know that feels so lost and forgotten? Who do I know that's just had a horrible year that would really be encouraged, that would really be blessed if I just reached out to them this week and just said, how are you doing? Again, as you ask him that question, if you're seeing a face, if you're hearing a name, write it down, own it. Jesus, give them the encouragement they need now to reach out and do something for that person. Ask God right now, who do I know that I could just invite up here? Maybe even just, we'll just try one day. We'll just try Monday. That, Lord, you know, would bless their heart, would make them feel noticed. That it has no one that has no community, that lost friends this year? Who can I invite to be part of what I get to enjoy all week? If you're seeing a face or hearing a name, own it and do something about it. I'm going to read you a couple of scriptures, but I want you to hear them in this attitude of prayer, so keep your head bowed. But as I consider... Why do we do what God says? Why would we step out of our comfort zone on behalf of the Lord? The evidence has been made clear, but if you need it to be clearer, here's the answer. 1 John chapter 5, loving God means obeying His commands, and His commands are not burdensome. We're going to invite people to be part of our lives. We're going to invite people to church. We're going to pray for people more comfortably this summer because we love God. John 14, Jesus said, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come, and we will make our home in them. And anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. We're going to do this thing because we have faith that God is telling the truth when he said he's going to bless us, and we're going to do this thing because we love him and he's God. 2 John 1, love means doing what God has commanded us, and He has commanded us to love one another. Just as you have heard from the beginning, we will obey the Lord. We will step out of our comfort zone because we love Him. It's how we show Him, you are God and I am not. Your will is greater than my will. Lord, encourage us. Give us the Confidence we need, give us the boldness we need, give us the, the names. We're not doing this so we can invite them to church and sign them up to sell Tupperware and make cash. We're inviting people to be part of our community because it saves souls, it saves lives. It's why we're here. Somebody invited us. It's a parent, it's a sibling, it's a friend. We saw it on social media, but somebody stepped up and said, Come, thank you for that person who did that for us. May we be that person for someone else today. Pray this in your name, Jesus.